The Biden administration announced on Monday that Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell would be renominated for a second term. Powell, a former finance capitalist who has headed the Fed since 2018, was the Wall Street favorite for the job. What role has Powell played in the management of U.S. capitalism? We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. Deepening unemployment, a looming wave of evictions, massive and widening inequality, there's no denying it, capitalism is in crisis and capitalism is the crisis. We are very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories related to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarik, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolff is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself, and a new hard copy edition of Professor Wolff's book, Understanding Marxism, has been released, which features a new lengthy introduction, which strengthens the case for why Marxism is worth understanding. You can check out all of his work at rdwolff.com. Professor Wolf, who is Jerome Powell? What has his role been? What kind of policies has he pursued as head of the Federal Reserve? Well, Jerome Powell is the chair of the Federal Reserve System. That is the central bank of the United States. In other countries, it's called the central bank. For example, the Bank of England or the Bank of France. But in American history, we once had a Bank of the United States. It got itself into political trouble with corruption and so on, went out of favor in the 19th century. And then at the beginning of the 20th century, it became obvious that this country could not rely on its economic growth, on private issuers of money. So it had to cave in and set up its own central bank giving it the odd name Federal Reserve System, rather than calling it the bank of this country. And it has had, over the last century of its existence, typical functions of central banks. So that, if I had to summarize the two things the Federal Reserve is supposed to do, and that Mr. Powell, as its chairman, is supposed to make sure it does, is to manage the quantity of money in circulation, literally increasing and decreasing the quantity of money alongside the way private banks do that when they create checking accounts and so on and make loans. And the second thing that the central bank is supposed to do 
is intervene in financial markets to influence the interest rates we pay for our home mortgages, for our automobile purchases, for our credit cards, and for everything else where an interest rate is involved. I should mention, because it is an important lesson for people who don't understand economics really well, that the Federal Reserve's enormous power, you can imagine in an economy like ours, having the ability to influence and shape the quantity of money in circulation and the interest rates that now involve literally every transaction we make one way or another, means that the government has had over the last century an enormous economic power. The notion that we have a capitalism that is private, in which the public sector is minor or marginal or in really fantastic mentalities, barely there, is so far off the mark that the Federal Reserve by itself is an example that capitalism in its modern form including American capitalism, has always been in bed with enormous economic power wielded by the state. And the notion that we could have a capitalism where that wasn't the case is as utopian a fantasy today as it was 50, 100, or 200 years ago. So when Mr. Trump, as president, named Mr. Powell to be the head of the Federal Reserve, one thing could be sure, that he was putting in place a man who had demonstrated by his whole life in the financial sector of the United States that he was a loyal foot soldier to looking after the interests of our financial sector to wielding the enormous power of the Federal Reserve to do what the banks and insurance companies and the capitalist system as a whole needed to be done as the problems arose. That he was also a loyal foot soldier to Donald Trump and the Republican Party only added to the certainty that what you got with him was a continuation of the role of the Federal Reserve in keeping the monetary system of the United States serving to reproduce the capitalist system we've been living under. And that's what he has done. And any notion that the Biden administration represented a serious commitment to question or to change the capitalist system that it inherited from Mr. Trump, any question about that should now be clearly and definitively answered. Because reproducing Mr. Powell in his position is a commitment to making no basic change at all. Yeah, thank you, Professor Wolf. Let's get into some of the the specifics. I mean, what particular mechanisms does the Federal Reserve, the central bank of the United States, have at its disposal 
to be of you know tremendous assistance to the capitalist class of the United States and particularly the big banks, Wall Street? Well, let's start with the first of the two monetary policy tools. That's what we call it in the economics profession. Let's start with the first of these two tools that the Federal Reserve uses, and that is to affect the quantity of money in circulation. Let's be very clear. The Federal Reserve can increase or decrease the quantity of money in circulation at its own discretion, to whatever size, in whatever timing it chooses. It is not constrained by gold, by the gold standard. It's basically not constrained by anything. And so what it does, for example, is every time the capitalist system goes into a downturn or a recession or a depression, and you know, capitalism on average every four to seven years has a downward trend. It's a very unstable system. One of the reasons we have central banks is precisely to limit the damage the capitalist system does to itself and all of us along the way when it has every one of these downturns every four to seven years, is that what the Federal Reserve does then is to come in and ramp up the quantity of money in circulation, pump it in. And the the idea here is very simple. By increasing the quantity of money in circulation, they hope to make it easier for people to get their hands on this new, fresh money, to borrow it, to use it to buy goods and services, and thereby to stimulate, as they like to say, the economy. Put more people back to work, producing the more stuff that can be sold because there's more money in circulation. So the Federal Reserve does that, and they do it in a very particular way. They make more money available to banks. They do that with the stroke. They used to do it with the stroke of a pen. Now they do it with the click of a computer keyboard. That's all they do, create money, give money in effect to banks, in some cases lend it to them in other cases, but pump more money in that way, literally creating it. If it's paper money, then it's literally printing it, giving it to the banks, and hoping that the banks in turn lend it out to people who will spend it on goods and services and thereby reverse the downturn, get us out of the depression sooner than we might have otherwise done. We even asked the Federal Reserve, the minute they see a downturn coming, to take steps already to make it happen later, to make it not happen at all, to do everything we can to offset capitalism's instability. Has it been able to succeed at that? Well, the answer is both yes and no. It has probably, in many cases, made the downturn less severe, made the downturn last not so long. Has it been able to eliminate the downturns? No, there it's a total failure. We have business cycles, downturns, recessions, depressions, as I say, every four to seven years, 
And let's remember, we're in the year 21 of the new century. We had a crash in 2000, a crash in 2008, and a crash in 2020. That's three crashes in 21 years, one every seven, right on schedule. So the Federal Reserve's ability to shape the events with printing money as needed is waiting for its test to show positive. So far, the best it can say is it might have made some of them less bad, but getting rid of this horrific burden and flaw of capitalism, it has not been able to do. The second weapon, if you like, the second monetary policy that the Federal Reserve uses is to affect interest rates. So, for example, since we've had a very weak capitalism these first 20 years of the 21st century with those three crashes I just mentioned and very serious economic problems like inequality and so on getting worse with each passing month, well, then the interest rate has been used as well. And you all listening to this program, you all know that. We have had interest rates lower longer than at any time in American history. Interest rates now are in the one, one and a half, two percent range. That's far below what has been the norm for most of the history of the United States. Why are interest rates so low? The reason is the same. Trying to boost, to stimulate the capitalist system because it's got too much unemployment because it's got too much difficulty. It's had too many crashes. It's mired in too much debt. All of those things mean that you got to keep the interest rates low, because if you dared to raise them, the debt levels alone of businesses and of households would make life impossible. That's why, for example, right now, There is so much anxiety about the inflation of the last year. Prices have risen in this country a little over 6% over the last 12 months. And that means that the Federal Reserve is frightened that prices may go up. They are already going up faster than wages, which means working people are falling further behind. Already hurt by the three crashes already hurt by the viral COVID pandemic, we're now subjecting the American working class to falling behind the prices, not keeping up with them. So the Federal Reserve is being called in to do what? Well, to raise interest rates so that people have less money in the hopes that that will lead businesses to lower their prices or at least not raise them. But that's very dangerous Because so much debt has accumulated. Corporations in America carry more debt today than ever in our history. Households carry more debt than ever in our history. Debt to buy your home, debt to buy your car, debt for your credit card, and the big new one, debt for your college education. This debt can't handle rising cost of that debt in interest rates. So the Federal Reserve dare not raise interest rates. On the other hand, they dare not remain inactive as prices go up because that's politically dangerous too. 
Life is hard for the Federal Reserve, very hard what it has to do. But its job, and keeping Mr. Powell there does this, its job is to make sure that the quantity of money and the level of interest rates is what is needed to keep the lid on this society, to make it possible for each year's inequality to get worse and worse. Let's be very clear. Mr. Trump appointed Mr. Powell to keep this system going. Across the four years of Mr. Trump's presidency, inequality in this country got markedly worse. By the way, it did that under Obama before, and it's continuing to do that now. And Mr. Powell, his job is to manage the quantity of money and the interest rates to keep this system going. And again, I want to emphasize, if you wanted to change a system that is as unstable as this, if you wanted to change a system that keeps making inequality worse, one of the first things you'd have to do is change the whole leadership of the monetary system of the United States, because it is utterly complicit in everything that has brought us to this dead end. And Mr. Biden chose not to make a change. And that's very important that people understand what commitment Mr. Biden thereby showed in making that choice. Professor Wolf, if you ask the Federal Reserve, their official line on what their role is, what their mandate is, is very simple and innocent. It's that they have to maintain full employment, which is not actually full employment, but quote unquote, full employment, and to contain inflation. How do you react to that official line? Well, it's like most other official proclamations. It's what a friend of mine once referred to as putting lipstick on a pig. If you focus just on the lipstick application, it seems an act of beautification. But if you face what it is you're putting the lipstick on, the beautification begins to fade and the underlying reality reminds you you're dealing with a pig. That's what we have here. Yes, wonderful, high-sounding phrases. We haven't had full employment in this country for decades. The Federal Reserve, if you're going to judge it by its ability to maintain full employment, has done nothing of the sort. It's a little bit like saying the bank is going to step in so that we don't have terrible recessions and depressions. Well, we have had terrible recessions and depressions. The Fed was in existence in the 1930s when we had the greatest depression so far in capitalism's history. And the Federal Reserve was busy in 2008 and 9 when we had what we now call the Great Recession. So what the Fed says it's committed to and what it actually does bear very little relationship. One is BS and the other one is the harsh, the really harsh reality. Look. It's clear to me as an economist that the Federal Reserve plays a crucial role. It does shape much, not all, but much of the quantity of money in our society. It does influence interest rates. Those two things alone influence the relationship between the U.S. dollar and other currencies. 
that's an important part of what it does as well. So it's a very important institution, but the notion that it is an agency that can independently act is silly. It's a notion that it is corrective, that overcomes the flaws of capitalism. That's more silly. I would not go so far as some of our libertarian friends who turn this thing around and blame the Federal Reserve. By the way, that's very popular. Blame the Federal Reserve for all the flaws that capitalism has. This is an interesting twist that you'll sometimes encounter, particularly from libertarian circles, because it's a way of exonerating capitalism, the system in which a tiny minority that we call employers have all the power over the economy and wield that power unaccountable to the vast majority of us who are employees. That capitalist system exonerates itself by having people blame not that system, not that way of organizing the economy, but instead focusing on the monetary authority as if all the evil starts there. That's a very old notion that still confuses people, blaming the money, because money makes the world go round. You're going to blame the money rather than understanding that how money works is shaped by the underlying economic system, not the other way around. And so it's important not to feed into the notion that you've got the key cause of everything wrong uh, by blaming the people who control the money. They're lowering the interest rates too much or they're pumping too much money in. That's not our problem. Do they make mistakes? Of course they do. Every institution does. But they are behaving under the control in full complicity with and ultimately shaped by the economic system that created these central banks in the first place. And that's the capitalist system. And I think that's the lesson that people have to understand. Mr. Powell is there because of the power of the underlying system. Mr. Biden and the Democrats he represents are afraid of confronting this system afraid that if they begin to look like changers of the system, all of their well-heeled donors will switch allegiance to the Republicans, leaving them out in the wilderness. They're not prepared to go that direction. And so you have acts like reappointing Mr. Trump's choice for head of the Federal Reserve. It is an unmistakable sign of caving in. Yeah, I mean, turning back to Jerome Powell, the individual, I mean, he he is himself a finance capitalist. He's worked in different capacities for different Wall Street firms, including the Carlyle Group. I mean, on his official federalreserve.gov biography, it says from 1997 through 2005, Mr. Powell was a partner at the Carlyle Group. That's a particularly infamous firm that destroys jobs. Talk about him as a person and what he represents in terms of the power of Wall Street over the main economic policy-making institutions of the country. Well, Mr. Powell is, a, is one of a long line, a long list of people who have become either a governor of the Federal Reserve System, that's the 12 people who run it at the top, 
or the chair of that board of the governors of the Federal Reserve System. They have overwhelmingly come from banking circles, from investment banks, from commercial banks. You know, the whole Federal Reserve is a kind of partnership, if you look at it, between government and banking, between government and finance. Its job is to keep an orderly, that's the word they like, an orderly financial system. Let me translate that into more honest English. They're there to make sure that the financial system serves the reproduction of capitalism over time, makes sure it doesn't destroy itself with crises and periodic downturns, makes sure it doesn't destroy itself with inflations that flare out of control. Because both the economic downturns, the depressions and recessions every four to seven years, and the inflationary spurts interspersed between the downturns, these terrible, self-destructive aspects of capitalism need corrective institutions. And they turn to the government and they make sure that the government does what the system needs balance it off, offset the downturns so they're not as terrible as they might have been, slow down the inflation so it's not as terrible as it might have been, out of the fear that if you don't do that, if you let these insecurities, instabilities of capitalism flare, you're going to persuade enough people in the system that it's not a good system, that you're going to get system change. That's the ultimate no-no that the Federal Reserve is devoted to doing. And Mr. Powell is just, as I said, a tried and true member of the club, a private banker with the Carlyle Group over the most of his life, now in a government position. And I can assure you, when his service at the Federal Reserve is over, if he doesn't retire, he will go right back into the financial system working for, you know, Citibank or the Carlyle Group or Blackstone or any of the other major players in the world of finance. This is a very clubby little group. They all know each other. They work together. Their children often marry one another. This is the part of the financial part, you might call it, of the ruling class of this country I know that the phrase ruling class is not so much in favor these days, but it captures the reality pretty well. Let me ask you one final question, because I I think that's such an important point that you bring up. I mean, it is a fundamental reality that there's a ruling class in the United States. I mean, when you just look at the, the structure of society, who holds the top positions at all of the institutions, the major monopoly corporations that control both the economy and the government. I mean, there's an observable ruling class that controls in a fundamental way the politics and economy of the United States. Elaborate a little bit on that, if you would. I mean, why is this such an important concept? Well, because you, you want to get away from the pretense. You want to get away from this notion, we live in a democracy because we have a one person, one vote, once a year in November, you go into a booth and you mark on a paper or you pull a little switch and we have a democracy. The reality is most people spend most of their lives as adults 
at work. And when you go to work, you enter a place from which democracy has been banished from day one. A tiny group of people, the owner, the board of directors, people who you hardly know, make all the basic decisions, what to produce, how to produce, where to produce, what to do with the output. Everybody helps to produce the output, but a tiny number of people decide what to do with it. When you're finished working at the end of the day, you're told to go home. You leave behind whatever your brains and muscles enabled you to help to produce because a tiny group of people own that stuff as fast as you produce it. But you're excluded from deciding what to do with it. If the people who get it decide to sell it, that's their business. The revenue that generates, that's their business. How they use it, well, that's their business. You get paid a wage to go home, have a beer and a pizza, and come back and do that same kind of work again tomorrow. So that group of people, the employers, a tiny minority of our society, they run the show. And you know, that's where you spend most of your life as an adult. Five out of seven days, the best hours of the day, you're at work. And at work, the people who run your life, who tell you what to do, how to do, where to do, they're not accountable to you. You don't vote for them. You have no say over them. In fact, if they don't like you, they tell you not to come back and you're fired and your life is upset and your family is put into jeopardy, etc., etc. So, of course, we have a ruling class of employers and they need to manage their system. And all that the Federal Reserve is, is a set of servants. You might call them financial servants. At the top, you put members of the ruling class because they're the people who want to make sure that the institution to serve the system works properly. And that's Mr. Powell. He sits at the top of that pyramid, having done his duty in the Carlisle Group and places like that, keeping this whole system going. And you can see it also in another way. We recently passed, or Mr. Biden passed, the Build Back Better bill the other day. Now, that bill helped not just big corporations, although they're the biggest beneficiary. It also helped working people a bit. And it taxed us, but it also taxed corporations. Corporations don't want spending to be done on the people, and they don't want to pay taxes. So they fought Mr. Biden. And a compromise was made, much less spending on the people than originally planned, much less taxation of corporations than originally planned. But still there was some, and the business community was angry at Mr. Biden. So within a few days, Mr. Biden took the step to reassure the ruling class that they have nothing to fear from Democrats like him. And you know what he did? He reappointed Mr. Powell to make that point clear. And if you understand what's going on, you see why he did that and what the ruling class is that he is comforting by this step. But I have to repeat that what he shows the ruling class is that he will change nothing fundamental, which is what they want to hear, because the last 25, 30 years may have been rough on the American working class, but it's been a jolly good time for the people at the top, and they want no change, and that's what Mr. Powell will deliver to them.
Very important points. We're going to have to leave it there. We were joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. And a new hard copy edition of Professor Wolf's book, Understanding Marxism, has been released. You can check out all his work at rdwolf.com. You've been listening to The Socialist Program. We bring you content three days a week. Thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker. Thank you.